a very, very familiar passage, and I could not think of a better song to sing before the sermon than that one. John chapter 14, let's just set the context. This, the Passover meal was finished. The disciples were on their way with Jesus to the Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus had told the disciples that they would all abandon him that night. And, of course, Peter spoke up and said, Lord, I'll I'll die with you. I will not deny you. And Jesus said, before the cock crows, you're going to deny me three times. And then we start chapter 14 and verse 1. There were no divisions in the real. Uh, It was just put in there so we can find our places easily. Jesus told them that the cock shall not crow till thou hast denied me thrice. Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. And whither I go ye know, and the way ye know. Thomas saith unto him, Lord, we know not whither thou goest, and how can we know the way? Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. If ye had known me, ye should have known my Father also. And from henceforth ye know him and have seen him. Philip saith unto him, Lord, show us the Father, and it sufficeth us. Jesus saith unto him, Have I been so long time with you, and yet hast thou not known me, Philip? He that hath seen me hath seen the Father. And how sayest thou then, show us the Father? Believest thou not that I am in the Father, and the Father in me? The words that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself. But the Father that dwelleth in me, he doeth the works. Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father in me. Or else believe me for the very works' sake. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me the works that I do, shall he do also. And greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father. And whatsoever ye shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If ye ask anything in my name, I will do it. If ye love me, keep my commandments. And I will pray the Father... And he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him. But ye know him, for he dwelleth with you, and shall be in you. I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. Yet a little while, and the world seeth me no more. But ye see me, because I live. Ye shall live also. We look at these words, 
And I want you to remember that this was just part of the conversation that Jesus had with his disciples on the way to Gethsemane. Oftentimes, as, as uh, preachers, we, we want to be careful uh, that we do not try to fit too much into a sermon or uh, get uh, so deep into God's word that people cannot follow uh, what is there. And I am telling you that these chapters here, 14, 15, and 16, are some of the deepest theological truths in the entire word of God. And yet Jesus spoke them in a matter of moments as they left the upper room and traveled to the Garden of Gethsemane. We, we need to grasp a little deeper into God's Word. These are incredible words that Jesus uttered here in these last few moments before He was arrested. And, and this morning I've got seven points to my outline uh, which means we should be here till about 2.30. But I'm going to work on that, all right? Uh, we will cover this ground somewhat quickly. But I want to start with the summary of the passage. Let not your heart be troubled. Now, how many of you had a troubled heart at some time this past week? Okay. If you did not have your heart troubled sometime this week, I want you to do something here. I want you to, don't use your thumb, you have to use your fingers. Just put it right here on the inside of your wrist and just make sure it's working, all right? Uh, because a troubled heart is the natural place where we as human beings go when something happens that is adverse. Is it not? When something difficult happens... When something tragic happens, the first thing that our natural response as a human being to do is to allow our hearts to be troubled. Are we awake? That's what happens. And yet Jesus says, let not your heart be troubled. You know, somebody many years ago did a study on worry, which is a good word for a troubled heart. When we worry about things, our heart is troubled. And they came up with a basic statistic, and I won't bore you with the whole thing, but only 2% of what we worry about on average actually happens. And you couldn't do anything about it anyway. So, why take a chance? 98 out of 100 things you worry about is never going to happen. I don't, and the 2% that you do worry about, you couldn't stop anyway. Jesus had some very important words for us. 
as he gave them to his disciples. He had just told them, every one of you is going to go hide. You're going to abandon me as your Lord and your Savior. You're going to leave me alone. Peter said, not me. And he said, you're going to be the biggest one of all. Three times. And of course, the third time, it says he began to curse and swear. Everybody knew one thing about Jesus' disciples. They didn't talk like that. So Peter didn't have to deny the Lord again. He had already done it through his activity and his behavior. You don't have to say, I don't know Jesus in order to deny the Lord. Now, if Jesus told you you were going to do that, would not your heart be troubled? He said, you're all going to forsake me. Wouldn't you want to believe better about yourself and your relationship with God? Amen? And Jesus tells them the solution to this problem. He says, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God. Now, the disciples all believed in God. They were Jewish men. They studied the scriptures. That's what the synagogue was all about. They went to the temple, and in their days, you could actually put your hands upon the sacrifice and confess your sins, and everything that was in the Levitical priesthood and in all of the Old Testament was fulfilled except for one thing. There was no mercy seat in the Holy of Holies to sprinkle the blood on. That was lost when the temple was destroyed by Nebuchadnezzar nearly 400 years, well, yeah, 600 years before. There was a white marble slab that the priest would enter in behind the veil and sprinkle the blood on that slab once a year, twice actually, on the Day of Atonement. They believed in God. And you know what? Most people still believe in God. Now the question is, which one? said 90% of the people in Cambodia are Buddhist. We had a Buddhist monk visit us for about six months. He wanted to know what the Bible said, and we tried to do our best, but it didn't work. He was actually from Nepal. But the simple truth of the matter is, most people believe in God. One of my favorite little stories is, Years ago, you just we investigated this thing called atheism. You know what? There's no such thing as an honest atheist. Atheism in and of itself is a lie. You are absolutely sure about something nobody can be sure about. We were out on Steinway Street preaching. Some of you have heard this story, but it's fun to tell it. And as I was giving a gospel presentation off the side of our van, a lady comes by thinking that she's going to interrupt. And she says, I'm an atheist. Right in the middle of my message. 
And so I turned to her and I said, are you honest? I've never met an honest atheist. And she turns around and says, oh, I believe in God. And walks on up the street. I mean, how could you ask for a better definition? There is no such thing as an honest atheist. You believe in God. Jesus said, if you want your heart not to be troubled, believe also in me. Now, there are people who look at the Bible and say, Jesus never claimed to be God. Uh, someone who believes that would believe an awful lot of other things. Maybe we ought to sell the Brooklyn Bridge to them and put the money in the mint. No, we can't do anything dishonest to serve the Lord. But I'll tell you, somebody that's that dishonest, you'd like to take advantage of them. But what we want them to do is come to the truth. Amen. Jesus says, you believe in God. I want you to believe the same way in me. Believe also in me. He's saying, you believe in me like you believe in God. Jesus, in essence, was saying, I am God. And he is. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. We believe that God created the heavens and the earth in six literal days. Bible says so. We believe that Jonah was swallowed by the way. The Bible says so. We believe that Jesus did those physical miracles. It wasn't some Benny Hinn presentation, uh, some television camera foolishness that was there. It wasn't some guy that was hiring people to act sick and then act like they got healed at the end of the service. You heard about the guy that was going to raise the dead, didn't you? This was many years ago, and he had the body laying there in the coffin. He said, at the end of the service, I'm going to raise the dead. About halfway through a sermon, this guy comes down the aisle, and he said, I got me a hammer in my hand, and I'm going to make sure that dead body's really dead. And he raised the dead before the preacher had an opportunity to get it done. There's a lot of foolishness today in the name of Jesus. But he said, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. Our problem is we believe in God. But do we believe in the personal God? that is active in my personal life who will meet the personal crisis that I am facing. The Bible talks about those who believe, but they deny the power. That is an unsaved person. Because you cannot believe in the power of God to save your soul and deny the power of God to do what needs to be done. Someone once told me, I, I believed in God and I prayed and he didn't answer my prayer. I don't want to be mean this morning, but just maybe your prayer doesn't deserve answering. I'm sorry. God is good. 
And he cannot do anything but good. Even when we look at a loved one going through the veil of death, God is still good. Even when the doctor comes in and tells us things that we know are going to bring suffering and heartache to ourselves and our family, I want you to understand something. God is still good. God is never anything but good. It's against his character. And when we do not believe properly about God, we better stop and check our salvation. The Bible says there will be many that are deceived. There will be many that will say, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? Those are preachers. Those are people that get up and say, thus saith the Lord. Jesus said there's going to be many in the judgment day who are going to claim my name. But his answer is not going to be, well, you started out right, but you finished bad. His answer is going to be, depart from me, ye that work iniquity, I, what, does anybody know the next word? Never, say it out loud. I never knew you. When Jesus saves you, he saves you all the way. He saves you forever. But let me tell you something. You've got to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And when you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ... You've got to stop believing in church. You've got to stop believing in all the other gods. You've got to stop believing in yourself. But, 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 but Pastor, that would damage my self-esteem. I don't want to damage it. I want it destroyed. It needs to be buried. Because as long as you think about yourself, you cannot believe and trust in Jesus Christ. You got to get rid of self. You got to stop believing. That was the disciples' problem here at the Last Supper. As Jesus said, You're going to forsake me. Peter said, I'll never do it. I'll die with you. We know what Peter did. You know why he did that? Because he was. Trusting in Peter, not in Jesus. Jesus said, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. What was your heart troubled about this past week? Believe in God. I'm telling you, that's the most unnatural thing in the world to do. Our insurance company came, and this is going to seem stupid, but it troubled me. How many of you saw the chip in the stairs as you came in today? Out front. It's been there since 1997. Well, they're worried about that. And they wrote me this really nasty letter talking about 
our insurability as a church is in question because of the chip in the stone, in the stairs out there. And so, you know what? I needed to believe in Jesus instead of giving the insurance company a piece of my mind. I can't afford to lose any. You know that somebody wants to give you a piece of their mind, tell them, you better keep it. You need all you have. Amen. It's the easiest thing in the world for us to get troubled about the dumbest things. The answer is, you believe in God, believe also in me. Now, I need to explain something here. The rest of this sermon is for people who have already trusted Jesus as their Savior. If, if you're here today and you do not know Jesus as your Savior, you are not assured of heaven I want to tell you as kindly and as compassionately as I can, the rest of the sermon has no bearing on your life until you settle the issue of your salvation. The promises that we are going to talk about here, the good things that Jesus gave to the disciples, the reasons why their hearts should not be troubled, are all based upon their relationship with God, the fact that they were saved, born again the Bible way, that they were now the children of God, instead of, the Bible calls them, the children of wrath. Look at verse 3, I mean verse 2, in my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there he may be also. How many of you like that song? I got a mansion just over the hilltop. I'm not going to try to sing it this morning. It's not just over the hilltop. It's in heaven. Somebody said, well, where's heaven? Got a real simple answer for you. It's where Jesus is. Amen. Uh, I don't know where it's located geographically. Nobody does. But I do know one thing. That's where the throne of God is. That's where Jesus is. And that's where I'm going to be someday. Because he promised me right here. You believe in Jesus. I got a new home. And you know, I think one of the things, other than being in the presence of God, if we have any remembrance of the former things, you know what I'm going to be so happy about in heaven? There won't be one thing that needs fixed or repaired. There won't be one leaky window one toilet that doesn't flush right, one uh, anything, because he prepared it. The greatest thing about heaven is not going to be your mansion. It's not going to be the sights and the sounds. It's not going to be fellowshipping with other believers in Christ. It's going to be the fact that Jesus is there. 
and we're going to see him face to face. That's what's going to make heaven great. Read Revelation chapter 4 and 5. Heaven is about worship. And no, they're not going to be swaying back and forth on the platform and, and, and have a dancing and getting all happy. We won't need any of that foolishness to make us happy. We're going to be satisfied with the presence of God. Amen? We'll fall down at His feet and cast the crowns that He gave us because of what He did in our lives. I can't comprehend that. But I'm going to that day, let me tell you. There's a new home. It's waiting for me. I'm assured as if I'm in heaven, Paul put it this way, and he's and we are present tense seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus in God's mind we're already there. That's why you can't lose your salvation. But but wait a minute. Pastor, you don't know what I did this week. Do you remember what Peter did? Just a few hours after these words were spoken? That's why I need to believe in Jesus. Because he's the one that paid for every sin on Calvary's cross. Amen. Jesus wants your service. And if all you can do is sit there and think about your sin and not serve God, I want you to get back to this Start thinking about what kind of salvation you have because when God saves you, He saves you from your sins. All of them. Well, I know Jesus will forgive me, but I can't forgive myself. Liar. That is a simple, bold-faced lie. If you can't believe, if you can't forgive yourself, you did not get what Jesus has. Because if He forgives you, if He forgives you, you're forgiven. I mean, that'd be like some agent from the IRS calls you up and says, you owe money. I had that happen a couple years back. I said, I don't believe you. <laughs> what? Would you like to speak to my supervisor? I said, I most certainly would. They ended up sending me money. They haven't been back on the phone since, and I hope they never call again. Amen? But the simple truth of the matter is, we believe anybody except Jesus. You believe Jesus, and you won't take yourself so seriously. Amen? Because there's a home waiting for me in heaven. And then comes a confused, somewhat of a confusing passage. He says, And whither I go, you know, in the way you know. 
He says, you know where I'm going and you know how to get there. Apparently, Thomas did not have an iPhone with one of those little uh, GPS things on it. And he said, uh, Lord, I don't know where you're going. How in the world am I going to get there? Jesus said, I am the way. If you know me, you're getting in. I am the truth. I am the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. He said, if you believe in me, you know the way. Now, how many of you know what's going to happen tomorrow? How many of you have some hope of what might happen tomorrow? I mean, we all got plans and things that need to be done. I know Peter hopes that something happens Friday afternoon called getting married. And I know Carolina's really hoping something happens sometime soon. But you know what? None of us know. But I know Jesus. And if I know Jesus, I know that I can handle what comes my way. If I'm serving Jesus. There, there is a point to that. Somebody said, I believe Jesus will keep me, keep me safe. No matter what I do. Well, don't go play in traffic. Because Jesus hasn't told you to do that. He, has, he is under no obligation to keep you safe if you decide to do something that is absolutely wrong. I mean, even your insurance company knows this. Right? Should you be using this car in the commitment of a felony, you will have no insurance coverage. Well, if the insurance company's smart enough to figure that out, why aren't we Christians? It Jesus never gives you permission to do whatever you want. He gives you permission to do what he wants. Because what he wants is the best thing that could ever happen in your life. And we better hurry up or we're never going to get through this message. But Jesus is the way. You don't have to see the road signs to know you're in the way. You just have to know Jesus. And then you're in the way. Amen? That's a whole lot simpler, as we found out trying to get to Brother Franz's wedding, than following that GPS thing in the iPhone. It'll take you places you never intended to go. Have nothing to do with where you're trying to get there. And I found out one thing when you're driving in Kentucky. Brother, if you ever get down Kentucky Way, you better take a map before you get into the state, because they don't believe in them down there. I stopped at three different places. Do you have a map? And they said, map? No. Well, do you know how to get to? Of course not. And 
We got there. But it wasn't with the kind of help we were expecting, that's all. If you know Jesus, you know the way. And you don't have to worry about where the way is or where the way goes. If you're following Jesus, you're where you're supposed to be. Let's look on. He says in verse 7, If he had known me, he should have known my Father also, and from henceforth ye know him and have seen him. Now Jesus is talking about some of the deepest theological truths known to mankind. He said, Philip, well, he'll say Philip in a minute because Philip's the one that's going to take this. I mean, you got you to get this. Jesus is walking in, his, in the midst of his disciples and he's telling them these words. And he says, you know whither I go and the way you know. And, and, and uh, Thomas looks up at him and says, Lord, I don't know where you're going. I have no idea how to get there. Jesus answers him. And then he says, you've seen the father. Now it's Philip's turn to jump in there. I mean, they're all around Jesus kind of just questioning back and forth as they're going to Gethsemane here. And Philip says, we get to see the Father? You mean like Moses and the 70 elders in the book of Exodus? We get to see the Father? Show us the Father and we'll be satisfied. Woohoo! And Jesus says, Have I been so long a time with you, Philip, and yet hast thou not known me? What a cling to deity. What a rebuke to the faithlessness of a disciple. He said, the Father is in me. I'm in the Father. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Well, wait a minute. The Bible says no man can see God and live. How does that work out? The best way I know how to put it, and people have argued about this for ages, there's libraries full of books on the, if you like theological terms, the hypostatic union. Hypo meaning water, static meaning spirit, the physical body, Jesus Christ as the man versus Jesus Christ as God. And they all want to try to explain this. And, and uh, one guy came up with this idea that Jesus actually laid aside his attributes as God so he could become a man. Well, if he laid his attributes aside as God, he's no more God. He veiled himself in human flesh. So that he could dwell among us as one of us. Read John chapter 3. He said, no one's ascended into heaven except the Son of Man who is in heaven. Present tense. Jesus said, well, I'm right here on earth talking to you. I'm in heaven because I am the Almighty. I am the God of gods, the King of kings, the Lord of lords. said, Philip, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. That's why we go back to verse 1. You believe in God? Believe in me. Also believe in me. 
believe also in me. You see, I cannot see Jesus physically because he ascended into heaven. I'm waiting until he comes back. When I see him, I shall know him as he is. Amen. But I can see Jesus through the eyes of faith. Last week's sermon, blessed are they that believe and have not seen. I'm going to see him. He's not changing, but I will. Amen. The promise of seeing the Father. But then he takes a step further. In verse 12, Jesus says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that believeth on me, the works that I do shall he do, and greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father. This is the promise of ability. This is a promise of getting something done. And of course, many people like, hey, well, Jesus opened the blind eyes. Why can't you open blind eyes? Uh, Jesus made the lame walk. Jesus resurrected from the dead. Uh, I think I believe a lot more in those, uh, uh, what do they call them, fake healers? Uh, oh, they call themselves faith healers, but they're really fake healers. Because what they do isn't true. What does he mean that I'll, I'll do the works that Jesus has done? What was the main work that Jesus did? He told the world about himself. Isn't that true? Would you agree with me, preacher? Listen. Jesus came to present himself as our Savior, the Savior of the world. He did that through the cross, through the empty tomb. What are you and I supposed to do? We are to present Jesus as the Savior to the world in which we live. That's why we support missionaries. Because we can't go to Cambodia. If you wanted to buy a plane ticket to visit him, it would cost you more than a year's support to just get the plane ticket to get there. I say, let's give the missionary the support. Amen? Listen. Jesus said, you're going to do works. Something is going to happen in your life if you believe in me. And we've talked about this many times in the last several weeks. Does your faith work? Does your belief produce something? If it isn't producing something, you better check on it. Because it's supposed to work. He said, you believe on me, you're going to do my works. And what of our works? To present these words to the world in which we live. That was the greatest work that Jesus accomplished, and that is the work that he expects you and I to do. What's the next verse? And whatsoever ye shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If ye ask anything in my name, I will do it. That's a promise of answered prayer, is it not? Amen? 
But how do you get your prayers answered? In Jesus' name. Oh, I got it. All I got to do now, whatever I want. Dear Jesus, give me a new Cadillac in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Does that work? Well, turn on TBN, you'll find a dozen guys right in a row and tell you it works. Uh, I'm going to question their veracity. That's a nice way of saying you're a liar. Because God is not subject to magic formulas or chance. Actually, that's Buddhism. is a repetition of a mantra until it happens. And that's the way many Christians try to pray. Jesus said, you ask in my name. Let me give you an illustration. Please don't raise your hand. But in a little while, we're going to take an offering. And several or many of you, if things happen normally as they do, will put a little envelope in there. And inside the envelope is going to be a check. Now, you know what that check does? That check says, I can go to the bank and, at, and demand so many dollars in Brother Franz's name or Miss Anita's name or anybody's name. If you put a check in there, you put the name of the church in there and you allow the church or its representative to go into the bank and ask for money. That's a pretty cool thing, amen? Now, if we decided to take your check and get out a pen, say, you know what, that rascal didn't really tithe. There's no way he lives on that little bit of money. Let's stick a couple extra zeros in there. We'll even things up. What would happen... Uh, it's called jail. You see, you only have the right to ask for what's written down on the check. And every once in a while, somebody will make a mistake. They'll put one amount in the numeral sign and another amount in the written out. And you know what we have to do? We have to take it back and give it back to the person and say... Would, would you mind correcting this because there's a little confusion here. The bank won't accept this check because it's not written out clearly. And, and that's not a problem. We, we handle that fairly well. But if you want to know why Jesus doesn't answer what you ask for, it's because you're not asking for what was written on the check. You see, he's written down in this book everything that we need to pray for. Well, it doesn't say uh, pray for a job. Well, wait a minute. What did Jesus say to pray for? Give us this day our daily bread. Amen. God is interested in supplying your needs. And let me tell you, if you're honest with God and, and tithe and do those things, God's going to bless you for that. But sometimes he makes us struggle a little bit because we need to strengthen our belief. You see, you've got to believe in Jesus to do the works. You've got to believe in Jesus to ask in his name. 
Amen? That wasn't a very good amen. Let's try that again. Okay. You say the amen's louder, I preach shorter. Amen? Amen! Let's go on. Verse 15. If ye love me, keep my commandments, and I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever, even the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive. Skip down to verse 18. I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. The promise of the Holy Spirit of God. Now, we do not base the work of the Holy Spirit upon our feelings. But let me ask you, how many of you have felt the presence of the Holy Spirit of God working in your life? If He works, let me tell you something, you're going to feel it. But if you lick your finger and stick it in a light socket, you're going to feel things, but it won't be the Holy Spirit. All right? If you go to the doctor and get a bunch of happy pills, you're going to feel things, but it's not the Holy Spirit. You put some foreign substances in your body, you may feel things, but it's not the Holy Spirit. He's not the Holy Spirit because we feel Him. He's there even when we don't feel Him because He's the promise of God to those that believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Holy Spirit is giving you direction. And how many times have you just felt like somebody was saying something to you? Don't go there. Don't do this. Take advantage of this moment and read your Bible instead of fill in the blank. You don't need to go visit your friend You need to go to church. How many of you have ever heard that? That's the Holy Spirit working. And the Holy Spirit will never give you direction that's not already written down in this book. Amen? Don't believe in premonitions. Believe in what's written down. And the Holy Spirit will use His Word. By the way, Holy Spirit can't use the Bible in your life unless you read it first. got to get it in there. If it's in there, the Holy Spirit's going to have more freedom. You know what? The Holy Spirit is not going to shout over top of The Dark Knight Rises or whatever new stupid movie Hollywood puts out. If you're sitting there filling your heart and mind with all that stuff... Don't be surprised if you don't hear the Holy Spirit. Because you're not going to. One of our young men reassured the call of God in his life to be a preacher at camp this week. That's a blessing. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. Remember, Brother Franz and I had some questions. He said, how do you know if the Holy Spirit's really calling you to preach? I said, it's real simple. 
If God's put that desire in your heart and you're qualified to be a preacher, it's the Holy Spirit of God. It's just that simple. The devil does not want more preachers. Not in this church anyway. Because you're going to preach the Bible and that's the last thing he wants. Listen. The promise of the Holy Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit is not an answer to your prayer. Read what it says here. And verse 16, and I will pray the Father. Jesus said, the Holy Spirit of God is the answer to my prayer. Jesus has never prayed an unanswered prayer to God. He knew the answers before he prayed because he was God. Even when he cried out in agony and God turned his back upon his son, he knew the answer. But he wanted you and I to understand just a little bit of the agony that he was going through. Amen. Jesus said, I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. Verse 20. At that day ye shall know that I am in the Father and the Father in me and I in you. Read down verse 23. Jesus says that the Father will love him and we will come unto him and make our abode with him. It's not just the Holy Spirit that lives within you. Because God is not in three parts. He's one God. And it's God the Son and God the Father and God the Holy Ghost that are living with you, in you, in the person of the Holy Spirit. Now, if you want me to explain it any more than that, I'm sorry. I just have to believe what the Bible says. Amen? And if anybody says they can explain it any more than that, run the other way because they can't. You just let the Bible teach the Bible. Amen? Now, we miss one verse and we're going to finish. Yet a little while, verse 19, yet a little while, and the world seeth me no more. But ye see me, because I live. Ye shall live also. Life. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. In just a chapter or so, he's going to say, I've come to give you life, and that life, what? More abundantly. Jesus said, because I live, because I will be resurrected from the dead, you're going to live also. You know, this world is full of people who are controlled by circumstances, by guilt, manipulated by other people. There's all kinds of horrible things that go on. In fact, we have a whole library of books just trying to describe the problems in the human mind and emotional being. Have whole colleges built just teaching us the problems. They can't solve them. 
But they can describe them and they can categorize them and they put them in books and I guess that makes them smart. You want life? Get Jesus. He has life. He'll take away your guilt because that's what he did on the cross. He'll give you the promise of heaven. He'll give you the way. He'll let you serve him. He'll give you answers to prayers that are in his name. He'll give you the Holy Spirit of God living inside of you. If that ain't living, I don't know what living is. Amen? But how many of us enjoy that life? You get saved by believing. But if you really believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, you ought to live by believing. This is a theme that's through the Bible. I mean, we dealt with this several weeks ago in Galatians chapter 3. You live for Jesus the same way you got saved. I've heard preachers preach, getting saved was so glorious, I wish I could do it all over again. Well, let me tell you how you can have something better than getting saved. It's answers to prayer. It's actually doing something in Jesus' name that God says, I did it. Greater works than these shall you do. It's knowing that the Holy Spirit of God is guiding and directing and comforting me every day. It's knowing that I'm in the way and that I have the truth. It is walking with Jesus. Jesus gave these things to his disciples as they were on their way to Gethsemane. Was Jesus going to go through some terrible suffering? More than any tongue can tell or any mind can comprehend. He was going to drink the cup of the wrath of Almighty God for you and I so that we would never taste it. One taste of that cup will condemn you to hell forever. Because it will take forever for a human body to understand the wrath of Almighty God. Jesus took care of it in one afternoon on Calvary's hill. He sealed it three days later in an empty tomb. And he offers life to those that will believe. That's how you get saved. But let me tell you, salvation is not the end. It's the beginning. Are you looking forward to that new home? Well, if you are, then you better be in the way or you might not get there. Don't get on the R train and expect to get to Dittmar's. It'll be a long ride, my friend. And you'll never get there. If you're hoping that someday it's going to work out, that's not what Jesus offers. It says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. That could happen today if you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ.
Christian. That's this main passage is to Christians, to people who've already believed. What is your belief doing? If you're overwhelmed with circumstances and your heart has been troubled and all of these things, you'd better start looking through this passage because Jesus said, I don't want you to be that way. I want you to live in the joy of your Lord. He says, because I live, ye shall live also. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning. My prayer is that the Holy Spirit of God would have freedom to move about our midst, to work in our hearts and lives. to teach us, to show us the things that need to happen and be done, that we may live this life that you died on the cross to give us. Lord, I pray that the Holy Spirit would have freedom to convict us individually of individual things in our own hearts. I pray that that comforter would come and ease the pain of suffering that may be upon our hearts. That we would realize the answer to all these things is, you believe in God, believe also in me. Lord, if we're not accomplishing what you would have us to do in our lives, we pray that you would convict us of those things and get us back in the way where we can confidently serve you, doing your works, praying for the things that you would have us to pray for. Please, dear Lord, as sinful human beings, we lift up our hands and our hearts to thee and ask that you would help us, that you would guide us in that way. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Let's stand together. The hymn of invitation, 301. We use this song often. It's just the answer to so many of our problems. Only trust him.